0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Passengers, starring Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed without having seen the film, you should be aware that this one is pretty heavy on the plot spoilers. Enjoy. Enjoy. Hello, hello! Oh, That song is ridiculous. It <laughs> came into my head earlier and it wouldn't leave. You ever get that?
0: <laughs> I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean.
1: <sighs> What's that song even called?
0: Uh, the I Duff... think it's
1: called like the Sun and the Moon. No, no, it's it's, it's called it's the Duffman Duff 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 song. It's, it's the Duffman song, but Duffman stole it. Yeah. I, I hate to break it to you, but. Duffman didn't write his own songs.
0: I think you'll find that he did. He went back in time and became a real person.
1: Oh yeah. That's why these days it's called Ferris Duff's Day Off.
0: <laughs> um it is a song called Oh Yeah by the Swiss That's band it. Yellow.
1: That's the one. Yellow. Is it is it like Y-E-L-L-O? Yes. Or is uh, it That is yeah. correct. Yellow.
0: Oh yeah. Bow, bow
1: and it just goes the sun the moon the dove yeah Yeah, the the dove, the man back in the day you could get you get away with writing not very many lyrics and you could have a hit song these days can't get away with that you ever listen to a drake song it's got about 120 verses
0: if you yeah nowadays you've got to write dubliners um and put it over a trap beat and that's how you get a number one um, which I think is an outrage what happened, to the, what happened to the push me and then just touch me and I can get some satisfaction
1: that's, I fucking hate that that's song that's
0: all you used to need to write a hit tune
1: that song is so bad
0: pause me and then just touch me I can get some satisfaction
1: I mean yeah it literally just sounds like a broken robot made it I guess that's the intention but that intention is bad
0: maybe a broken robot did make it they they kicked out one of the robots from Daft Punk because it was malfunctioning, and then it went on to make that.
1: Do you think Daft Punk are actually
0: robots? They are obviously actually robots.
1: Yeah, I think I'm the only person who doesn't like Daft Punk. Have we talked about this already before?
0: I think so, yeah.
1: I don't find their music particularly engaging. I don't think it's awful, but I don't get it.
0: I like Daft Punk. They're fine. They They, they do fun little dance tunes. Um... And it's all all good. It's all nice.
1: Yeah, nice. The worst one is Robot Rock. That's, that's yeah. About... Robot
0: Robot Rock is about it's about four minutes long, and it's about three minutes too long.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it feels like eight minutes long of just a a, a synthesizer going. Wow, wait a long, Wow, wait a little, Robot. It's honestly, <laughs> it's like someone's GCSE music composition that they made on one of those computers that has a keyboard attached to it, you know, back in the midi days. Remember the bad old midi days?
0: I remember the 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 midi days. Yeah, yeah, robot rock, I think. It's a fine little main riff. It's fine, but it, it goes on way too long and it doesn't really change at all.
1: Not a fan. Did you study music at school? I did not, no. You just played music? Yeah, like I... A, like a cool boy.
0: Well, yeah, because music at secondary school was unbelievably dry and boring um, so I had no real interest in doing it I'd rather sort of like go out and do creative stuff on my own with a guitar
1: yeah have some fun with it rather than have to learn loads of Mozart shit yeah, I like I, Mozart but I,
0: you know I, I I, mean this is going to sound very controversial but I have zero time for classical music
1: yeah um, I, I need to make you a mixtape called Beethoven's Bangers <laughs>
0: But then I want it all to be played by a dog or a dog barking Beethoven.
1: That I can arrange.
0: Is, does that really exist? Because if so, I am I am fully on board with
1: it. It either exists or I can make it exist quite easily <laughs> using dog samples. So we're going back to,
0: to the bad old midi days, but this <laughs> yeah. time it's going to be good midi.
1: Yeah. Um, we'll bring, bring back the good old midi days. Yeah, like I just... I, the I, Brexit I just... people want to bring back the good old days, you know, before we before anything was regulated you know it's like that
0: that's exactly right um i yeah i i i have life is too short to listen to classical music
1: it does go on a bit doesn't it
0: it's it's too long it i mean like put it on whilst you're doing something else but then if you're going to listen to something whilst you're doing something else you could put on some really cool ambient or something like that
1: yeah or or an episode of this podcast
0: or an episode of this podcast exactly whereas like
1: as we're rapidly approaching episode sixty nine and most of our episodes average about what an hour and ten an hour and fifteen, I reckon we've put out a hundred hours of, of this terrible content.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean terrible content this is <laughs> This is the greatest thing that anybody has ever done.
1: This is true it's It's a heartbreaking work of staggering genius.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly.
1: Um, I love those kind of book titles. the um your main man my main man hank green is putting out his first novel next year and it's called an absolutely remarkable thing which i think is a really good title regardless of what the content is you know you've got to aim high with it haven't you
0: yeah that is a that is a nice um that is a nice title actually so we
1: should have what i'm saying is we should have called this podcast the absolutely wonderful incredible amazing remarkable best podcast ever yeah
0: (laughs) you gotta put that yeah on the end (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's to appeal to the millenniums.
0: Yeah, yeah with a question mark.
1: Yeah. The, you know, all the, the shortage hipsters you, that's that's how you appeal
0: to them. It is. You you ride around on little little bikes. Little plastic tractors. <laughs> little plastic tractors. And uh and yeah, and that's it. And then that's how you do it. And you put yeah with a question mark at the end of every naming uh, convention that you have.
1: Yeah. Good podcast, yeah
0: good podcast, yeah, so that, ex- that big explains- boys don't cry, yeah,
1: yeah, big boys don't cry, yeah, that explains why we still haven't yet secured an incredibly lucrative sponsorship deal after all of our other ones have sadly fallen through, yeah, although, as I said, we did get approached by a very good beer sponsor, but I figured as you don't you don't drink, it would have been a case of me, like it's like they want you to drink the beer on the podcast. So it would have been a case of me getting drunk and ranting at you about whatever film we were talking about, and then I mean, you to be... having to tolerate tolerate me even more than you already do.
0: To be fair, that sounds like a really good idea for a podcast, Paddy.
1: Well, maybe maybe I've changed Paddy my mind. Paddy gets
0: drunk and rants about films. <laughs> Rob is sober and tries to stop Paddy from ranting about films. Rob
1: is sober and sympathetic. <laughs>
0: yeah Yeah, i could get behind that i think a lot of our listeners would enjoy that as well maybe we should do a drunk episode all right maybe you get drunk i get drunk on your pizza the the
1: smell of your own farts (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've been drunk on pizza it's good yeah i recommend it drunk yeah pizza drunk i was in italy last week everyone there is pizza drunk
0: that that explains why the italians have gone so strange in terms of their politics yeah because i was there you mean um Yes, exactly. You were there, and they were all because you were eating some of the pizza. It was taking away from everybody else's pizza intake, um, and they started getting withdrawals, which which caused the whole country to go a bit with.
1: So you're saying Italy lives in a constant state of kind of pizza balance?
0: Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a it's a very fine balance, mm. a yin and yang of pizza yeah. and pasta,
1: right, a burrú and a scone. <laughs> Oh belly. Yeah. He's about 105 and he's still knocking around.
0: He's an awful awful politician. <laughs>
1: he really does look like he's been reanimated.
0: He 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 does look like, that- you know, has has any has any throwback uh like 80s goth band done a song that's instead of Bella Lugosi's dead, it's Bellaskeni's <laughs> dead.
1: <laughs> no. But a f- um a friend of mine or well, fr- friend of the podcast Alex Hawkins was in a band called Berlusconi for a while. Yes,
0: I remember. I remember.
1: F- fronted by our friend Jamie, who used to sing lots of songs about what a pervert Berlusconi was. And that was the concept of the band. And it was actually really cool and very arty. It was the kind of thing Stuart Lee would like.
0: They, yeah, I, I, I dug Berlusconi, the band, not yeah, not the man. Uh, however, if you go to Silvio Berlusconi's Wikipedia page, there's this incredible picture of him singing on a cruise ship in the 1960s. Have what? you seen this? No, nope.
1: I am going to look at this for right now.
0: He looks suave as all hell.
1: No, surely not. He's never been suave. Right, I'm opening it up. Yeah, that's, he's not singing. Oh, there we go. That's not yeah. that's not him. This is fake news.
0: Silvio Berlusconi singing like on a cruise ship in the 1960s boy. wow like, it's incredible what happened to you man you used to be a cool cruise ship singer
1: yeah, what was, what's wrong with there's nothing wrong with singing on the cruise ships man that's all, that's all you need
0: he, he lost his way didn't he he
1: certainly did but yeah he definitely looks like he's actually like these days if you see a picture of him recently he looks like he's actually dead it looks like a sort of Weekend at Bernie's situation. Like it's <laughs> Do you Italian think that's politics. what's happened? Italian politics is just an adaptation of Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> we, weekend at Berlusconi's. <laughs>
0: weekend at Berlusconi's. <laughs>
1: now that's I'm the film that we have to make after, what is it, Opposite Day?
0: Opposite Day. Then yeah. we go back to our comedy roots with yeah. Weekend at Berlusconi's. Weekend
1: at Berlusconi's. And all the, everyone who's in um, Sensations will want to sign back on, obviously. You know, I mean just yeah Terry Crews carrying the corpse of Silvio Berlusconi around Italy, getting into ever more precarious situations.
0: Oh, that's incredible! Yeah, I'm I'm on board with this. This sounds great. And
1: Guy Fieri is like he's like a fake fake Italian, isn't he? So he could go and like do put on his Italian accent and be offensive.
0: Yeah, I'm on board. Let's do it.
1: The shit writes itself. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you know, oh, speaking of broken robots, let's let's talk about passengers.
0: Yeah, let's talk about passengers. I watched um, I
1: watched it last night.
0: How did you How did you enjoy it, Paddy?
1: Well, I you 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 touted it as a shit piece, so I went I went into it expecting a shit piece, and I I don't know that I would call this a shit piece. I'm not about to stand for it, but I feel like a lot of the criticism. And the the potential bad things that I'm sure you're about to say about it are actually a little, probably, I don't know, just a little bit unfounded. Or te- don't don't acknowledge that I think there is some good and some interesting stuff in there. So my feelings about it are complicated. But
0: see that that's kind of how I feel about it as well. Um, okay, because you the, the... you
1: texted me saying it was bad, and that usually means that we're in for uh, yeah.
0: And no I... th- th- this wasn't uh me texting you to say it's bad on the same level as bridges of madison county okay um well,
1: i think i think that text went what is this film
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> if i'm if i'm asking a question then you know it's bad because generally it will be something like what is this film or why the hell have you made me watch this <laughs> something like that whereas this was just a statement of This movie's bad. And and I would say that it is a bad film. I wouldn't say it's a good film and it's not the kind of thing I'd I'd be keen to watch again. But given all of the bad press I'd heard about it, apart from some severe flaws in um some severe flaws in in sort of like character development in the plot and and some incredibly jarring attempts to make someone into a hero who isn't a hero. I'd say it's actually not too bad.
1: Yeah, see, I wouldn't say it's a bad film overall. I'd say it's a, it's an interesting film. I wouldn't go as far as saying it's good either. I'd say it's an interesting and watchable film with a lot of flaws. But there is some intrigue in there as well. So I think on that basis, it is actually worth watching. But it won't be a huge entertainment. It won't necessarily give you the feels unless you're a, a fool. Yeah,
0: and and that's the thing is, yeah, it's. I wouldn't say it's. I wouldn't say it's good, at all. Um, but there is something about it that's interesting, and there's elements within it which which do work quite well. So, so to begin with, shall we talk about the general plot and where its yeah. biggest failing is?
1: So it's a, it's a it's a space it's a space film. It's not a big spaceship that opens up with some. Not that great CGI actually, if I'm being honest. It looks kind of video gamey. It looks a bit like um like a cutscene from a GameCube game at the beginning.
0: The the funny thing is that um not all of it, but some of the sort of user interface stuff that's in the film was actually built using the Unreal engine. So an actual video game engine. Ah. So when they're using like the little iPad things and stuff like that, that was all built in Unreal. Rather than them adding it as CGI, which I think is quite a neat, authentic touch. But you're right. The larger CGI pieces didn't feel that authentic.
1: That explains a lot. It, it, some of those bits did feel distinctly video gamey and that kind of the world and the layout and the movements and all those kind of things definitely felt video gamey to me.
0: Yeah. So, so like, I, I, I think it's more, um, sort of when they're using the u the the UI stuff on the little iPads and things like that. That's all. That's all sort of built within within the Unreal Engine. But then, like the larger CGI pieces were still done through mainstream CGI. Yeah. Um. Which, yeah. Which. And the the, the Unreal great. Engine,
1: of course, is the contemporary update of Thomas the Tank Engine.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um. Also voiced by one of the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> this time by Paul McCartney. Paul
1: McCartney. <laughs> yeah. Um, Who's has kind of lost it. I well, I, I saw him sing on stage with Little Stephen last year, and he was all right. But I've seen some ropey TV shows. I don't know. Yeah. I I would go and see him though if he put on a well, show. Well, yeah.
0: He's he's still an institution, isn't he? Yeah. Even if he's even if he's losing his his voice, as it were. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So so in 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 Passengers. It's all about a crew and the passengers of this interstellar spacecraft, which is taking a load of people to go and be on a colony on a new planet. So they're all going off and they're going to start this new colony uh, off Earth. Um, Homestead 2. Yes, Homestead 2. Not to be confused with Homestead 1, which went terribly wrong, uh, where they got there and then realised... That none of them had woken up in the middle and been a creepy stalker, hmm. and so clearly nothing went to plan. But yes, so uh, unfortunately, Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt playing Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt. Um, he 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 plays effectively the same character that he plays in all of his big movies. Um, his character here is very very similar to that of Jurassic World, which um, I
1: I've not seen either of the Jurassic Worlds.
0: I, I haven't seen the second one. The first the first one's fine. It's not as good as the original Jurassic park movies but it's still good and he and he's a suitably charming handsome lead man with a good strong jaw it's, so it's um, chris pratt
1: being chris pratt
0: yes um and uh he unfortunately his his cryogenic freezing pod or stasis pod or, or whatever the terminology you want to use suspended um, animation they call it don't they? it's it, uh it breaks about 30 years into the 120 year trip uh and it's just his that does it um, so he has found, he finds himself waking up alone on this spaceship. Everybody else is still in suspended animation. And he is then going to live out the rest of his days alone and die before the ship lands on Homestead 2.
1: And he tries everything to try and get around that. He tries to get into the control rooms and wake up the crew and whatever, and he can't do anything. It's all stuck. Yes.
0: Yeah, There's there's nothing he can do about it. Um, And he ends up living for a year alone on this spaceship with only um, robot Michael Sheen bartender for company.
1: (laughs) I'm going to say this is not Michael Sheen's best role.
0: No, but I think he's he at least he does something interesting about it. He's the sort of he's like a robot version of the ghostly bartender from uh, The Shining. Yeah. It his his bar has that same same kind of New York style to it. Um and his role is almost exactly the same as like the conscience to speak to. Um and obviously that all gets perverted in The Shining, but here it's played straight, but it looks very similar. But if Michael um,
1: Sheen isn't a maniacally laughing vampire or managing a football team, then I don't want to know.
0: <laughs> what what about um being a bar owner inside a virtual reality world like in Tron? where he's 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 incredible in that he's you great
1: i've not i've not seen tron
0: he's by far the best thing about about tron 2
1: tron 2 yeah he's not in tron 1
0: no because tron 1 was uh, he would have been a, a wee laddie wouldn't he
1: that's what i thought yeah i was thinking yeah child michael sheen appeared in tron no he's in he's in the
0: second one the daft punk one the, oh yeah the whisper it the the better one oh, the second one's much better
1: than the first one daft punk let <laughs>
0: They do. I know you don't like Daft Punk, but they do the soundtrack to the entirety of the second Tron film and I've, it's amazing. It's really it's good. good. It's really really good. Speaking um, of which,
1: I thought the score in Passengers was very good. Did you? It was it was fine. I thought the the moments of kind of rising tension and stuff were done really really well. The when they chose to include popular songs, it was not good. But um the yeah, the score, the incidental music, I thought was really really excellent. But I think as well I don't watch that many space films, just broadly. I'm really interested in them. And then whenever I I do watch them, I find them really interesting. But I feel like you might have seen more films with this kind of setting and these kind of concepts than I have. So I think the bar for me is a little bit lower on that kind of content, maybe?
0: Yeah, I think you're probably right there. Um, Because it's fine, but yeah and, and like the score is competently done it's done by um a guy called thomas newman who also did things like wally skyfall things yeah. like that um so he's got a he's got a very <laughs> well he will have done the actual music instead of the the warbling theme tune um and and he's got a very good track record um in in television and in uh and in film um and he's a he's a very you know he's a very good composer and he has a he's done a lot of good movies where the the scores have always been very competent and this is another competent movie score um but i wouldn't i wouldn't say it's anything to write home about in comparison to a lot of other movies of this ilk
1: no it didn't Um, stick in my head or anything but at the time i remember thinking that it was good like i I, I know i noticed it
0: And and on surface level, the polish of this film is is very good. In terms of, you know, in terms of direction and cinematography, it's all rather decent. You can't really fault the performances of anybody. Um, It it, it looks like a big budget blockbuster film and it serves that purpose well. But there is this one glaring issue with it, which caused a lot of stick at the time. And that's kind of stuck with this movie, which is that... It's the thing that is defined by... Yes. So in all of the trailers, it looks like it's two people that wake up on a space, on a spaceship and then they have to try and work out a way to get back to sleep or save the day and save the ship. Um, what the, all of those trailers didn't tell people was that Chris Pratt, after a year, um, over that time, he's become infatuated with another one of the passengers who's been in cryogenic freezing, who's been in suspended animation, um, and he decides to wake her up. And that's where the big problem lies because this is billed as a romantic movie and it plays it straight as a romantic movie. Um, But in reality, the romance is created by one person condemning another to dying on a spaceship and not achieving their goal of reaching another planet.
1: Yeah, he decides to wake her up, thereby dooming her to a life having to live with nobody except for him and Robert Michael Sheen on a large spaceship for the next nine, yes. 90 years, which they will inevitably not um, not live through. Although, there is a machine called the Doc, which kind of um, seems to be able to... Well, literally brings him back from the dead. So, perhaps, they could have actually lived through those years. Although, at the end of the film, it's implied that they're not there. When yeah, they, well, cause I don't, does, I don't think... There's a tacky it. coda that shows the people arriving at the planet, which is totally unnecessary. But, yeah, the ending is a whole other problem as well. Let's let's talk about the um, the stalkery issue and the problem. Well, I think the, the the reason that it leaves such a bad taste and that it got so much criticism, which is valid, and that it is very problematic, is not necessarily with the fact that he wakes her up, but the fact the but the way that it's framed, which is that he sort of he's very stalkerish about it, and that throughout the film, it's the the way that it's framed is a very kind of masculinist little boy fantasy of him being deserving of this woman and him sort of stalking her and then that being a version of love and then him making her fall in love with him and it all being like of course she cries when he's out in space um, and he might not come back even though literally five minutes before she hated him it's all that the framing of their relationship is very yeah masculinist fantasy you think
0: yeah i mean i wouldn't even go as to say that it's a it's a it's a fantasy in that regard i'd say that it's it's almost a complete perversion of what reality would be like in this situation um in that you know it's her compliance to it eventually and suddenly so so when when she first wakes up he tells her that her pod is clearly broken as well like his yeah um he he wakes
1: up and then runs away
0: yes and then he magically comes across her later on and they're like oh okay yeah we're both in the same situation but i've been here for a year um and sort of he helps her come to terms with what's happened and they start a budding relationship and things like that um and eventually it is revealed by michael sheen the robot bartender that he did wake her up and understandably she's very upset about it um and and they sort of put this framework in place that's like Okay, so they 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 never see each other, and they work out a rotor for when they're in different places, so they never get to see each other at all. Tuesday is um, my night with Arthur. Yes, I get I get the dog on Thursday and Friday. A dog named a dog Michael and, Sheen. A dog named Michael Sheen, exactly. Um and um and yeah and then um you get you get exposition McGee, uh, played by Lawrence Fisburn as one <laughs> of the members of the crew. It's hilarious. Lawrence Um,
1: Fishburne, he's in it for literally about 10 minutes. It it was as if they could only afford him for a week.
0: Well, I I don't think affording him was a problem because this this movie cost a load of money to make. Well, then why did Um, they
1: make so little of Lawrence Fishburne, who is a brilliant (laughs) actor and his character, really interesting, could have done loads with that. Instead, he's just there to appear, get them a little bit closer to the goal of breaking and then fixing the ship so that everything could be fine and then die
0: yes um and uh that's that's all he's there for um he is there to give exposition explain that things have gone wrong and then die immediately because otherwise he's going to be a third third wheel in their space romance isn't he um and so yeah it's it's really weird he turns up and is like oh look everything's broken and you need to fix it here's my pass to get through all of the other bits of the ship
1: <laughs> yeah. okay
0: i'm I'm gonna die now see you later <laughs> and, Bye. And, and, and that's it and that's all that he does um it's it's really strange but yes yeah, so off the back of that they then start fixing the ship and they sort of work begrudgingly together until it reaches the point where chris pratt gets to give a heroic sacrifice at which point jennifer lawrence starts crying and then goes out into space to rescue him and bring him back and then they're back in love again
1: and he's literally dead and comes back to life in the machine well, I think after I she think hammers all the buttons on the one machine the one doctor machine for five thousand passengers
0: yes and, and and that is an issue there's lots of issues in well i say there's lots of issues but they actually build the fact that this this ship was built in some kind of capitalist hellscape quite well so by that point i'm kind of like oh yeah maybe they would only fit one of these magical robot doctor machines on there yeah. because they don't care about these people really um and and yeah so but it yeah they they bring it back to life and that's fine you know what this is in the future maybe they've managed to increase the resuscitation time to like five times what we currently have before you're clinically dead that kind of thing fine whatever um but what is strange is how quickly their romance returns to normality yeah um uh, it's like suddenly
1: everything's all fine because he sorted out the reactor
0: yes because he's a
1: strong man who'd done a strong thing oh i love you again chris pratt
0: well, it's it's Boo. it's not a it's not like a strong man doing a strong thing. It's uh, a, it's the noble sacrifice. Yeah, shows you as a hero trope, which is like one of the most boring tropes you'll ever see. Yeah, in, like, he anything. says,
1: "There's five thousand people on this ship, Lauren or whatever her name is,
0: Aurora, Aurora." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, close there, Paddy. <laughs> um, and uh, and yeah, so they get back together, but the whole romance is is such a sour note um throughout the entire thing it's really distracting yeah. um and and because it is very strange because they play it so straight and they don't really they they deal with the fact that he effectively kidnapped her because that's what this is this is holding someone as a hostage yeah um he he holds her as a hostage and they play it off as if it was the 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 complication in a standard romantic movie so it would be as though oh I'm actually already engaged oh no how can we get over this but rather than it being oh I'm engaged to someone else or oh I've got a job on the other side of the country and this isn't going to work out instead it's oh no I accidentally woke you up from your cryo sleep and now you're trapped on this spaceship with me and you're going to die here and I'm going to be the only person that you ever see
1: yeah the it's, the impediment to their love is his weird creepiness and that, that leaves a, yeah, a sour taste his kind of stalker and we're supposed to believe that that is overcome by his noble sacrifice
0: yes um and and they do a i would say that they do a pretty good job of building his desperation and him as a likable character
1: Mm. this is this is what i was wondering i was thinking about how could they have made it work or well firstly do you think it's possible that they could have made this exact story Work if they'd framed a few things a bit differently? And I think probably yes, because if they'd made it more about companionship than about his kind of creepy stalkery desire for her specifically, where he reads all her books and he stares at her and does all this kind of Facebook stalkery stuff, if instead it had been about companionship and they'd gone actually a lot deeper into his mental state, um, what would lead someone to do that then you'd have felt like his action was justified. But instead, it's framed as this kind of creepy, stalkery romance.
0: Yeah, and and that's exactly right. I was thinking there's a couple of ways that they could have done this film and made it work. Um, one of them is exactly that. They could have had that rather than him delving into her past after accidentally staring down at her while she was sleeping, which itself is pretty creepy. I don't care if she's in sleep, It's still creepy to stare at someone whilst they sleep like that. Um, if If it had been like... He went up to to robot barman and was like, "Here, here is the five thousand person long manifesto. I need some company, or I'm going to go insane, and I'm going to blow myself out of the airlock. Random number generator, me, one of these people to wake up, just because I need somebody." Yeah, and, and then he could
1: have had Lawrence Fishburne instead.
0: And then he could have had Lawrence Fishburne, which would have been awesome, and then it would have been like a little buddy movie.
1: Yeah, a little, a little caper.
0: Um, but but yeah, something like that, where you didn't have that obsession that kicked it off. And instead you had just the pure desperation of being alone in that environment, because I'd say the first half hour of this film is really, really good.
1: Absolutely. I was really um, enjoying it. I was it for the absolutely first half hooked
0: hour. for the first half hour. And I thought, you know what? Why are people, you know, well, I thought well, they really have to mess up with that conceit because at the moment it's really good and they build that desperation quite well and i think maybe if they'd strung it out for an extra 15 minutes and sort of paced it better so that you showed his degradation longer yeah um it would have worked that much better but instead
1: it it didn't feel like desperation to me and i think that was the key it felt like the natural response to that but it didn't feel emotionally impactful enough
0: yeah cuz you could it, you could see what they were going for and you can see they were going for that desperation but they really only showed it through one act of sort of uh mental health deterioration and the fact that his beard had grown and they yep. really didn't show much more of the frustration of 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 being stuck alone in this environment um so I think if they'd extended it and if they hadn't included the fact that he clearly saw her as the one person who could make him happy Um, it could have worked better. The other way that I thought it could have worked is, and it it would have required them to take the romance side out of it entirely and just had it about companionship without romance and sort of increase the stakes from a thriller perspective, start the movie with Jennifer Lawrence waking up. She's then left on the ship alone. She then comes across Chris Pratt who says, I've been alone here for a year and for an extended period of time within the film you think that she has just randomly woken up. And it's only when the robot lets slip that he woke her up that suddenly you get that shift. Yeah, Um, And and they then could have made it into, then you could have had more about his slow degradation as like a flashback into what had happened to him. And you could have made it more about companionship and how he needed that social interaction to stay alive.
1: Yeah. And it would have been fine for them to fall in love on that basis. It would have been fine for it to be a romance. It just shouldn't have been about him being creepy
0: yes and and they should have framed it better in terms of her reaction to that creepiness as yeah as well um and and because it's not all just on him being creepy it's on her acceptance of the creep if you know what i mean
1: yeah although when she finds out she goes completely nuts and her acting at that point is very good
0: yes yeah it is and, and that and that's what i mean the performances in the, the the performances in the film are all very good as well it's a very competently made uh competently acted movie it's just that there is that one flaw in the plot which they could have worked out with better scripting, but it does really take you out of the film entirely.
1: Mm, yeah. Or do you... Yeah, and again, if it was literally just the two of them falling in love while they try to save the ship, that would have been enough, wouldn't it?
0: Yes, you You even could have had that they never... Um. There was never that he woke her up deliberately. Yeah. Like and that, it, and it, that. And didn't... it had been an accidental... Uh, two accidental wake-ups.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, you because I think that that would have been fine. And I just, that was the thing that I wrote down to ask you. So do you think that would have still been a good film? And I think, yeah, it would have been fine. Like if it was just about them trying to save the ship and dealing with all the technical stuff, I, but I think, and and them falling in love in between, but I think as well, they, the, the feel that the, the filmmakers were going for, they weren't trying to make it too kind of technical space opera, were they? And I think if it looked too much about them trying to save the ship, people would have just seen it as a sci-fi film and wouldn't have gone to see it do you think
0: no but but the way that they framed it in the trailers was really bigging up the romantic aspect as well and you still could have maintained that romantic aspect well that's what Um, i mean they were were
1: selling it on that rather than on the space thing and they went too far perhaps down that road
0: yeah, and, and I think they could have they could have quite happily had lots of romance in here. And, and there could have been lots of other stuff that caused, you know, that friction between the two of them. I mean, if you could imagine two people being stuck on this spaceship for 90 years together, they're yeah. going to have disagreements and they have nowhere to turn to let off that steam. So there's bound to be arguments yeah. along the way. There's bound to be reasons to have that friction beyond, oh, by the way, I'm a creepy stalker that woke you up and doomed you to life on this ship.
1: I actually... If you if you'd have just had two people randomly wake up and then they don't, there's no big drama with the ship. There's no nothing else. There's no big romance. There's no satisfying end. There's no cheesy coda. It's literally just like waiting for Godot on a spaceship. I would watch the heck out of that.
0: You, Paddy, you Samuel need to watch...
1: Beckett's passengers.
0: <laughs> you need to watch a movie called Moon, starring Sam Rockwell, directed by um by Duncan Jones.
1: Duncan Bowie. Uh,
0: duncan bowie it's a really good movie that kind of does exactly that apart from it's well to begin with it's just one person it's sam rockwell on a space station on the moon and 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 that's kind of what i was what 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 i thought of when i was watching that first half hour and it had that same kind of feel to it you're like oh yeah this is really good and like almost you kind of almost want it to just be him on this spaceship and you and it has all of those overtones of i don't know if you've ever seen the film silent running no um, um
1: kermode referenced it in his interview he said it was it's a sort of comparable film uh, yes, interview yeah. review i watched a few different people reviewing this film just to get a sense of the critical consensus um but kermode always goes on about silent running as being one of his favorite ever films i feel like i it, should i should see it
0: you really should it's a great science fiction movie um really intelligent um recently a um uh, the band's sixty five days of static, which I'm sure you you're aware of, um they oh, did yeah. a they did a great rescoring of it because it's got this this old fashioned hippie score, um, the the original Silent Running. Um because the whole movie is about sort of the whole movie is about the importance of uh keeping green spaces alive. That's the kind hmm. of allegory. And it's all about these giant space greenhouses and they're being maintained by these skeleton crews and they get the the word from earth that oh we don't need these anymore blow them up and come back home
1: yeah Um, I I um, love that kind of environmentalist angle as well angle as well like um Nausicaa of the valley of the wind is would have been my top five films from that point of view so I think it just it nails that kind of future apocalyptic how do we deal with plant life and stuff really well
0: yeah, exactly, and 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 it's got the a very similar tone. Silent Running, um, and but yeah, it's got this uh, score, this very hippie style score from Joan Baez, um, which uh, sixty five days of static, um, have done a done a rescoring of it, and often do these live shows where they play their score, um, to a copy of the movie where the initial score has been taken out, and it gives it an entirely new dimension. It's really good. That's really um, cool. I love when yeah, it's, it's bands fantastic. Do that. It's absolutely great. But yeah, that movie, um. Which again is about loneliness in space and also about uh the corruption of large corporations and how they'll cut corners and things like that um It's got a very similar tone in that first half hour um which then gets kind of eradicated, but then it it appears now and now and again throughout the rest of the movie, but nowhere to the same extent um but I feel like again that's kind of a missed opportunity there There is a lot in this movie that is interesting and kind of worth talking about,
1: yeah, definitely. There's lots of stuff that it does do in a very interesting way and all the performances are very, very good. Chris Pratt, I think, is actually the worst actor in this and not that he's bad, but yeah, his performance is just is just quite flat, isn't it?
0: Yeah, he's, he's not given the room to be as comedic as he likes. Um, so in films like Guardians of the Galaxy and Jurassic World, he's really able to let loose with sort of like the quips and stuff like that, whereas here he's much more po-faced. Um, but his which, character which still... doesn't
1: chime with the bits of comedy that they try to drop in as like um light relief. There are bits like like there was a pumpkin spice joke that I quite enjoyed where he's trying to get coffee and he can only get the piss like black coffee because he's not a gold level customer or whatever. Um that I thought was funny, but that the didn't need humor this film. And again, it made the mistake of thinking that you have to drop in some light relief. Otherwise, people will think it's too serious but then it ends up highlighting the fact that the film is taking itself seriously.
0: Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you're right, this kind of movie, it could have done with being, you know, not, not entirely serious. You maybe could have had a little bit of satirical humor here and there, but nothing as on the nose as the bits of humor that they try to include. Um, but I think, I think the one thing that I did really like about this movie is the way that it showed that this, uh, this this company that does these interstellar voyages is just cutting corners all over the place um yeah and and, and that was done in a really clever way so you find out that um that uh the, the 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 company that does it i've forgotten the name of the company that runs these these voyages but they make uh a could quad, a quadrillion dollars for each trip or something like that Um, which, you know, is is a mind-boggling amount of money, even in whatever future year this is set. Um, And and they sort of mention along the way that whatever people pay for on their trip there, it then gets charged to them for their earnings when they reach wherever they're going to live on the new colony. And then when they're on the colony, the company takes a percentage share of their money. Um, And it shows that even though people are moving across the galaxy to another planet they're moving there with the worst examples of capitalist monopolies in mind yeah where they're 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 effectively moving to a place where the company that they work for owns everything that they do it's almost like a a neo-feudalism effectively um but along the way you can see that you know the fact that chris pratt's um his pod broke Um, shows corner cutting and they say that it's never happened before but really you don't know how many years this has been going on for but if it takes 120 years to get there and 120 years to get back
1: there's no way you could know that
0: you would never know how many of these pods have failed yeah um and and if they sent an emergency message back it was going back to the company who had no need to disclose that this is happening
1: yeah and it's like it would take 36 years for the message to reach earth and come back to you or something yeah. Which was yeah, so, which is an enjoyable joke that yeah, but as as a sort of small at moments critique or satire on on capitalism, I enjoyed that. You know, it's like they're, they're coming to literally a whole new world to rebuild a sort of neoliberal nightmare feudalist dystopia, which is yeah, that was interesting. And again, the the way that the two characters just kind of brush that off shows their complicity in the capitalist dream.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's it's the same thing as and I, I, I bring up Starship Troopers far too much on this podcast. But in Starship Troopers, there's this moment where you think, oh, God, are they going to realise that they're living in this fascist nightmare? But instead, at that point where you think they might realise and fight back against the system, they double down on it. And this has exactly the same thing where they just, they show their absolute compliance to this, this hellscape that they're living in where a company is now going to control everything in their lives for the rest of their lives and and it mentions that aurora she's a journalist she's going to get the first flight back when she yeah. lands that was her plan but even so there's nothing in what she's been writing that's at all a critique of the company
1: no she's the only person who got a round-trip ticket
0: yes yeah and and everybody else is going there to give their entire lives to the company and, and that's what it boils down to um but along the way you see that everything starts to break and although some of the serious system failures are caused by you know things outside of the company's control um going through like space storms and stuff like that meteorite showers which somehow managed to breach the shields um all of that's out of their control but what is within their control are things like the um the 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 food units the sort of Uh, robot breakfast dispensers breaking um, and stuff like that and and everything is clearly built around a central mechanic which when that fails everything else fails and really the ship's only meant to support life for four months at the end of the trip which is when they wake up become acclimatized then they land and they get on with their lives clearly not meant for longer than that because everything starts breaking all around them
1: Mm -hmm. how many Um, pumpkin spice lattes can you get through in four months
0: Yes, exactly, and and I did kind of wonder how much food is there on this ship? Is there enough to sustain two people for like let's say sixty years? Let's say they make it to sixty years before they die of old age. Is, is it there like weird
1: three D printed food? Like how is the food being stored? Yeah, there's, I have a lot of questions about food hygiene. If I'm,
0: <laughs> and and I thought it was probably some kind of Star Trek thing. Um, where it is sort of like a 3D printed from some kind of base material which creates something which is effectively what you'd have normally. Um, Or whether it's maybe like, uh, like frozen and vacuum packed and then somehow sort of rehydrated, maybe. Something like that.
1: Yeah, or it's just like a plastic steak, but it's sprinkled with vitamin powder or whatever.
0: Yes, yeah. There's all these sorts of questions about how they manage it um but it's it's quite interesting and and the way that there's this class system on the ship as well so you have like a silver ticket or a gold ticket effectively and so one of them only allows you to get a black coffee a basic breakfast you you can't you you have a very basic suite that you live in you can't access most of the most of the grounds or most of the entertainment facilities without incurring an additional cost all of that kind of stuff um and so a lot of the sort of fancier side of the spaceship you only see when Aurora wakes up because she has a gold ticket. Because um, clearly in the future, if you're a journalist, you make mega dollar to be able to go on a fancy cruise through space there. Yeah. And back.
1: That, that old myth that appears in 85% of films where writers are incredibly rich people who have lovely apartments in the centre of whatever ta- whatever huge city it is that they live in. And they're living the high life.
0: Yeah, <laughs> this time the high life instead of a, a Manhattan apartment is a fancy, like, room and a spaceship with a big old double bed. Yeah, um, a suite. And 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 the the opulence of the spaceship I find very interesting. So you've got <laughs> rather than like a a waterfall pool, um, it's uh, it's off the side of the ship. So the end of the sp- end yeah. of the spaceship is the swimming pool and you can see out of this bubble and see space space swimming pool which is like oh my god that's that's really great from a sort of like excess uh, sort of side of things but it would be so inconvenient from traveling through space yeah um but then, a, a, and there's yeah. a point
1: when the gravity fails and all the water like is rushing around in the room and she's trapped inside it that's quite yes fun.
0: Yeah, that that's a fun little thing. I'm not sure if that would happen in real life. I'm not oh, sure yeah, about no, the physics like, of that whole scene, but Is it was that, an that how gravity actually watch. works? <laughs> I imagine probably not, but it but it's interesting. And and um and there's all this other sort of stuff like fancy fancy restaurants on the ship and stuff like that. It's almost like a... The ship
1: has amazing facilities. It has like sports simulations and films and video games and stuff and from that side of it, there was a big part of me that was like i would much rather live on that ship than have my current life where i have to go to work
0: <laughs> i mean i'm not gonna lie if we could get a bunch of about 20 of us together to go on that voyage and have our pods open up early i'd be quite happy not landing on on bumfuck world 2 and yeah. have to work my ass off for the company i'd be quite happy to just sit there and be like oh yeah i'm getting a robot pedicure." yeah 90,
1: 90 years of just being able to have whatever you want as many drinks and robot bartender free food and coffee yeah okay so yeah maybe if you weren't a silver gold level passenger the food isn't that great but you can still play the games you can do the sports you can watch the films like they've got they've got books they've got a library you know what more do you need in life yes
0: and and the answer to that question is companionship yeah um but yeah, so if you had a bunch of people together, I'm pretty certain that like, if Chris Pratt had woken up a few people, or or even if he'd taken Aurora to one side and just said, look, you know what, Like life on here is pretty damn cool. We can do whatever the hell we want for the rest of our lives and not worry about anything. If you want to write your book, you can do it. And then it's probably going to sell when you're dead because it will be, hey, look, this is the book that that person who woke up in the middle of an interstellar voyage yeah. wrote. Which she's is kind of off the, the idea
1: that they go with at the end, isn't it? Because they're not shown, but it's like she's talking as if it's from her book on the voiceover. Yes.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, and yeah, like, I, I mean, if, if Chris Pratt had woken me up and been like, sorry, mate, I need a bro to come and play Xbox with. Yeah. I'd probably been like, oh, you know what? I'm a bit annoyed because I was planning to, you know, like build a house and like go and work for the space bank on... on- <laughs> on okay. homestead 2 but you know what yeah let's go let's go hang out chris pratt
1: yeah why not it might let's not, let's, let's not go so let's go play halo
0: was, that's cool man let's go play halo for the next 60 years
1: that is genuinely way better than homestead 2 probably you where you'll probably yeah. be doing like mining or some shit
0: you reach homestead 2 you find out that there's some kind of spore on the planet which wasn't available through interstellar scans that kills you instantly yeah you know why take that risk when you can hang out and go swim in the space pool
1: yeah. The space pool is pretty cool.
0: Yeah. The the whole ship is really cool. And and like I think they they did a they nearly got there in terms of showing the sort of like class-based system, but it still looked pretty damn nice all across the board, didn't it?
1: Yeah. So that stuff was a little bit <coughs> confusing. It's like their I their rea- their reaction to being having to live the rest of your life on the ship was egregious, I'd say. It was unfounded. When they'd already and, gone to lengths to show that actually living on the ship's quite cool.
0: Yeah, and I I think they they did a good job of showing, well, they could have done a better job of showing that life was, you know, life without other people around is difficult. Yeah. Um, and, and they kind of implied that. But at the same time, I think they could have done a better job of showing that it was more difficult for certain passengers than others.
1: They should have done like a castaway type thing, had him like, shouting at a football for half of the film.
0: <laughs> yeah you know there's all those little robot Roombas around yeah he could have got madder at them
1: he should have been just yelling at them all the time <laughs> oh yeah and that's the kind Wilson. of thing that, that, robot the Wilson
0: kind of, that that's the kind of thing that vaguely happens in silent running without without spoiling it too much but there is that um attempt to anthropomorphize things which aren't human um, and it kind of, it, maybe it could have done with this. I, I do wonder whether this movie would have been better if it had just been about one person. Mm. I think all... that would
1: have been a way more interesting film.
0: Yeah. This um, is
1: an example of a film where the romance is actually tacked on and gives it the wrong focus. And as fans of romance, um, you know, it's I think it's kind of out of character for us to say that because we're we're all about the romance. But this film, I think, didn't need it. Really? No, no, and
0: it could have, it could have had it if if they. I mean, it's very difficult to make a movie with just a single solitary character, um, and make it work. You know, Moon does it. Challenge accepted. There's various films that do do it, but this movie maybe you know it did need two characters, but did it really need the romantic angle to be spoiled by the fact that he's a creepy space stalker? No. No and it, and there's no, so not. many ways they could have worked around that and and it does kind of ruin it for me and i can't watch this movie and i couldn't watch this movie and think this is good even though there's elements of it that are good that really it destroyed the entire film
1: yeah it's not possible to say that it's good but i don't believe it's bad either i think it's 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 a it's a complex and problematic film with yes. a lot of, with a lot of layers i
0: I'd, I'd say it's bad but i'd say it's an interesting bad I I don't think you're
1: standing by your description of it as a shit piece.
0: I wouldn't call it a shit piece, though. Shit piece for me. Oh, you did. You did um, say potential shit piece. Yeah, because I'd never seen it before, and from what I'd heard about this movie, it sounded like it was going right down shit piece lane. But (laughs) it it doesn't. (laughs) Right down shit piece lane. (laughs) because it's not it's not absolutely trashy terrible nonsense which is kind of what i was expecting i was expecting it to be unbelievably cheesy in places um expecting it to be really dumb expecting it to completely gloss over the fact that he woke her up and it doesn't it tries to talk about it and fails but it does try to do it and it tries to convey why he did it
1: but bits of it were really cheesy but in the in a bad way usually i'm all about the cheese but this was this was cheesy in the worst way whereas like all the stuff about trying to save the reactor and that kind of big climactic hero scene was cheesy as fuck and it went on way too long and then the ending where yeah she woke him up and then obviously there's only one auto doc so she gets in it and then he has to live out his life or whatever like then then the the, the like 88 years later little coda all of that was incredibly cheesy that was honking cheese The last 25
0: minutes minutes of this movie are Hollywood trash. They needed their big explosive ending and they put it in and it doesn't really add anything to the film. Cheese um, trash. Big cheese trash from the cheese bin. Like you could have... I can understand them needing that dramatic conclusion and they could have fixed the reactor, that's great, but throwing in that heroic sacrifice, like if they really wanted to, to show the two characters overcoming that initial difference and coming together as one again it should have been about them working on it together as one and solving it that way
1: yeah and but about instead... how their relationship was affected by that specifically. yes but, in-
0: but instead they throw in the heroic sacrifice and then somehow she manages to save him um and and brings him back in and it all works out okay. And then they have the additional, you can go into back into stasis. It's all going to be fine. But only one of us can go in.
1: Yeah. It's that, yeah, that was just too cheesy for me. I was just like, he obviously would have died. Just kill him and then have her have to live out her life or have some solution or whatever. Like any of those routes would have been more interesting, but not Hollywood cheese enough for the film that was a big christmas blockbuster wasn't it it actually did make quite a lot of money more than i thought
0: yeah it did it did well so it got back double its budget um just in the box office which is which is pretty darn good
1: you can't you can't argue with that can you
0: no no and i'd say i don't know it's 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 very good to see a sci-fi movie doing well at the box office sometimes they don't do very well and even though this movie's not it does have that big flaw in it i'm still pleased that it did well if you know what i mean
1: yeah it's like well the the money the the success that this film had at the box office should have been the success of jupiter ascending
0: (laughs) exactly
1: which is a brilliant (laughs) shit piece
0: and 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 that is a brilliant shit piece this is a bad non-shit piece because um, there's good shit
1: pieces and bad shit pieces. There, there are, there
0: are, and I thought this was going to go down the bad shit piece route, but instead, it's actually a complicated non shit piece of a film. Yeah, um, and uh, and yeah, like it, I'd say that if if this, if they just tweaked the story a little bit and got it working, it could have been it could have been a really interesting film. And there's and there's lots of elements on here which are, in here which are interesting.
1: There are a lot of things you could do with it and I wonder if as well, apparently it was in development hell for a long time. It's a script that's been knocking around since 2007 before it got made and at one point Keanu Reeves and um, someone else famous, Emily Blunt uh, uh, were attached to it which would have been very very interesting but um, I wonder if the earlier drafts perhaps were that little bit more serious and that a lot of this kind of Hollywood cheese nonsense came out in the production because some cigar-chomping studio exec said you have to give the people what they want.
0: Yeah, I would be interested to see an early draft of this script and see where where the differences are. Cuz you do see sometimes these big budget sci-fi movies do go through major changes whether they're forced upon them by the director or by Um, by the studio behind it so so
1: like how how star wars had got forced to include a feminist agenda because of the feminazis
0: that's exactly what happened because everybody knows that um, the feminists own all of hollywood and there's not a huge amount of chauvinism in hollywood Um, so so feminists control all of the media that's exactly how it works. Um and one 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 big example of um of like a script change is Prometheus, the Alien prequel, where the original script for that actually tied it in much closer to Alien and made it. of Was that sense. not written
1: by the same guy as this or directed by the same guy?
0: Um I don't think so. Let me check. Rid- Ridley Scott did Prometheus.
1: Ridley Scott.
0: Yes, and then it was written by the the final script of that was written by the fellow who did Lost.
1: Oh no, I'm never watching that then.
0: <laughs> oh, but this this was written by him as well, actually. So clearly he was involved in the writing process.
1: Oh wait, so wait, so John Spate is our man from Passengers. Are you telling me he yes. was involved in Lost, the worst TV show? Uh, no, right?
0: Damon Damon Lindelof is the guy from Lost.
1: Okay, he is a criminal who should be locked up.
0: you're not mincing your words there paddy no
1: lost is one of the worst shows ever and i've only seen like two episodes but even then i was i kind of i was late to the party or whatever and at that point even when i was like trying to get into it everyone else was like 25 episodes in and all discussing insane theories about it and i would listen in (laughs) this is in first year of university i'd listen to people having conversations about it and even then i mean i was i was a naive fool back then i didn't know a lot of stuff you know i was an idiot but i knew enough to know that all of the stuff they were discussing was just some bullshit that someone had made up because they hadn't written a proper narrative arc
0: yes that is that is my main problem with the show i quite enjoyed it but i got out i think at the right time before things got too too silly um you're you're right by the way uh so so spates uh, the guy who wrote passengers did write the original script to prometheus which is very very ah, good okay i've not seen it it's um it's so prometheus is a movie that looks stunning and then the plot is made out of wet tissue paper right um but the initial script to it worked much better. In my head, um, I
1: keep mixing it up with Pacific Rim, which I've not seen either. <laughs> but looks, Pacific
0: Rim is cool. It just That's looks cool like
1: um, Poe-Face Transformers. It's, Transformers it's... where they wouldn't let Shia LaBeouf in.
0: <laughs> so a good Transformers movie is what yeah. you're saying. It's, it's, um, it's the Power Rangers Zords beating the crap out of Godzilla. That's what um pacific rim is is brilliant cool it's really good fun sounds Um, like the
1: most ambitious crossover event in history
0: (laughs) exactly um so so yeah um a so his original script was called alien engineers and i remember reading it through after i'd seen prometheus and i thought oh this is a you know this movie looks good but what the hell happened to the script and i heard that okay the earlier script is actually much better it got leaked online and it works incredibly well um and it and it works much better than the final film. Interesting. Said. I don't um, think
1: I have ever had that reading experience. I've never looked at a script that wasn't like the script because we studied script writing, but we always looked at like final scripts. I've never seen yes, one that yeah. was that has been through the development process before that. That'd be a very yeah, interesting so was, thing to do actually.
0: It was very interesting to see and comparing it to Prometheus was was fascinating. Um but yeah, it's it's interesting that he wrote this and then also wrote Wrote um, right, passengers because passengers does have that one fla- fatal flaw, which was added to his script Prometheus. Right, um, but yes, oh, interesting. interesting stuff.
1: Yeah, so all of that stuff is is very very interesting in how films get made and developed, and you can tell that the end product of this is a result of that process. Whenever you're told that a film was stuck in development hell, there's always some kind of flaw with it, isn't there?
0: Yeah, yeah, there's always some kind of issue. You very rarely see any kind of media that was stuck in hell, in that kind of development hell, um, that doesn't have something wrong with it, whether it just feels a bit dated or a bit bloated or like there's been some kind of interference. Very rarely do they do they come out unscathed.
1: Yeah. But this film did have them playing Dance Dance Revolution, but not branded as Dance Dance Revolution because it then that would have been product placement.
0: Future Dance Dance Revolution.
1: yeah. So I'm I'm down with that. We sh- we need to live on this ship, man. It's got I'm sure it has a baseball simulator. I could do that. I could yeah, play, I mean, play it's ball. Gotta,
0: it's got to have a space uh, a space ball, space ball. Space ball. of baseball. Yeah,
1: space balls. <laughs>
0: um yeah, there's got to be. There's got to be um a baseball simulator. You've got space soccer. Yeah. You've got um yeah, all sorts of stuff like that.
1: I bet you Elon Musk is working on this ship right now.
0: Do you reckon that's going to be part of his Mars trip?
1: Yeah, for sure. It's going to be a big spaceship that looks like an attachment for a KitchenAid, spinning around and going in and, yeah, space balls. (laughs) Did you hear that apparently this weekend, um, Azalea Banks was over at elon musk and grimes's house and she was really high no he was really high and she was like tweeting about how awful it was and snapchatting about what a terrible person he is and stuff
0: yes i heard this um i don't know if i entirely believe Azalea banks because she is um the human definition of a shit piece she's
1: been kicked off of twitter Um, but they still allow alex jones
0: well, she is, she has possibly breached Twitter's rules worse than Alex Jones over the years. Yeah. With a load of homophobic nonsense. Yeah. A load of it. Um, she is a pretty awful, awful individual. Um, She is a bad and, person. And so I'm not entirely sure whether I believe her about Elon Musk, as much as I'd like to, because it is really funny, ridiculous nonsense.
1: The whole thing is just a strange circle of late capitalist weirdness and it i just don't even know what to think anymore
0: yes <laughs> um yeah it's it's a weird one isn't it it it, it, it seems like some kind of bizarre alternate reality
1: yeah sorry I just saw the onion headline i was like i googled elon musk just, you know, before you see the thing that is from the onion elon musk gives saudi inventors presentation on new autonomous beheading machine <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's also on the ship in passengers. Yep. Yeah. Suicide booths out of um our armor.
1: Oh yeah. Shit. You need a quarter.
0: <laughs> exactly. So so do you have anything else you'd like to say about passengers?
1: No, I think is Chris Pratt is actually a like a problematic Republican gunman, isn't he?
0: No, he's not. No? No. He's a he's an he's a good fella. He is Christian. If if that's causing a problem for you, (laughs) but he's always been no, that's fine. (laughs) He's always been a good one, and he's been supportive of um, of James Gunn over his firing from Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, that's good. Which is good to see. He's he's on he's on the good side. His old Chris, we like him.
1: Good because I don't think that that is a good thing to have done because of some silly nonsense that James Gunn said on twitter years ago that's the thing isn't it like that he just well
0: i think he did some misguided
1: tweets a couple of years ago and like now he's been kicked off the franchise that he defined
0: yes it's absolutely ridiculous particularly given that disney knew about it already he'd already received criticism for those tweets before and had apologized for it um also, they knew what they were getting. This is the guy who directed *Troméo and Juliet* hm. and who directed *Super*, yeah. a movie where a squid monster comes out of the sky and cuts someone's like scalp off. And and I don't this, think
1: and... anyone at Disney has seen *Super*. It's too hardcore oh, for them.
0: Yes, they got a bit scared and and fainted, and, and Mickey had to get the smelling salts out. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I have I have. Full confidence in James Gunn, yeah, and he—he he was just quite an edgy individual for a fair few years. He made a lot of edgy, like horror and ultra violent movies Um, he also had an incredibly good and still has an incredibly good voice of his own when it comes to directing which is why Disney hired him in the first place and they should have stuck by him Yeah. and And the fact that that they didn't is is absolutely disgraceful they should have stuck by him it's possible that someone
1: can be like a really good film director and edgy and also have said some stupid shit that is not good and done some silly things that doesn't mean that it needs to be one or the other binary he has to be kicked off the film there's just like no room for nuance anymore is there
0: no well there isn't room for nuance when a right-wing hate mob comes after you and disney loses its testicles somewhere yeah that's what happened basically is they were scared of all of the nasty right-wing people criticizing them too much as if any
1: of those people have any power they're a bunch of like basement dwelling like you know i don't know alex jones following brain powder eating troglodytes
0: Yes, and, and the whole thing was instigated by someone who, ironically, had defended actual paedophiles multiple times.
1: Classy, classy. Um,
0: which is incredibly creepy, but, you know, Disney didn't do any research into the hate mob that was criticising one of their employees. Yeah. Well done, Disney. Well done.
1: Extremely bad. Pat on the back.
0: Um, but yes, the, pretty much the entire cast of the Guardians of the Galaxy's movies has come out in support of him. Um, so I don't think that any of them are likely to be renewing their contracts with Disney no. anytime soon in spite of the fact that they're some of their biggest stars in their best franchise at the moment, Guardians they, of the Galaxy I've, the two Guardians of the Galaxy films are the best thing that Disney put out in years. I've
1: still not seen them you should
0: do, they're very good.
1: I should I feel like I want to watch Silent Running first now
0: yeah, watch Silent Running that's a that's a great little movie watch that and watch Moon um, I'd say
1: my watch list is growing
0: We need to just start a separate
1: (laughs) podcast for space films
0: Yeah, big boys do space Big
1: boys don't breathe (laughs) (laughs) Also, James Gunn's brother is the guy who plays Kirk in the Gilmore Girls
0: Yes, yes, you are correct
1: Uh, I love that He's very good He's an underappreciated actor
0: He's a good guy
1: He's very funny Okay, passengers. I, th- I think we're done here, aren't we? I don't think that I have much else to say about it. Other than that, yeah, it's it's a very interesting and complicated film that I I enjoyed watching from an intellectual point of view. It wasn't necessarily massively entertaining. Uh, is fundamentally very flawed and fell into some very very silly traps. But I am glad that it exists, and it was yeah, it was interesting.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I I it is a I'd say it is a bad movie which is a shame um that central i could not get away from that central failure of um of its premise but within it there's lots of interesting stuff so if you like your space stuff and you don't mind watching a movie that might make you uncomfortable when it's not meaning to it's maybe worth watching just to give it a just to give it a watch yeah for sure and, i'd and be see, interested see to some hear... vaguely interesting stuff
1: i'd be interested to hear anyone's take on it Get in touch. You can always get in touch. Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod, on the emails Big boys Don't cry at gmail.com. Today, a uh, friend of the podcast Samuel C Williams has designed us a shirt that says "What's your favourite ship piece on it?" So,
0: <laughs> yes, I love that. We're going to be
1: selling those.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm fully on board with those shirts. Um. So so yeah. How do you want to rate passengers? Oh
1: yeah. Let's see. How how many years would it would you have to wait if you were living on the awesome ship playing DDR and eating all the good food and hanging out with bartender Michael Sheen before you went mad and opened someone else's casket
0: like it like it um so for me I'm gonna give it I'd give it 10 years
1: 10 years yeah did you know that don't know (laughs) (laughs) did you know this film took 10 years to make (laughs) <laughs> well it, it did from when the <laughs> initial script came. Up, actually did, it actually yeah. yeah. did, yeah. It almost, took, almost took as long as Boyhood.
0: But you know what? This movie looked like it kinda of deserved to take that long to make, unlike Boyhood, which is just a lot of people sitting around in a field. <laughs> That's my main memory of it. Sitting around in a house, sitting around in a field. Um anyway, yeah, I'd I'd give it I'd give it a ten out of twenty. It's an interesting movie. Um that main floor completely takes apart any chance it had of being higher but there is some interesting stuff in here Um, and you think if they had managed to get away from that central plot failure, it could have had a really good film here.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that assessment but I'm going to go just one higher than you and give it an 11 because I feel like I don't feel that fundamentally it's a bad film I feel it's flawed but I don't think that it's bad overall so I feel like I just have to distance myself from you by one point.
0: (laughs) Cool, okie dokie I will accept that no complaints from me yeah
1: no but it's it's a very good film it's it's in a way you know it's 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 a very interesting film i meant to say it is worth yes, your yeah. time not good yeah i, I wasn't
0: bored yeah. at any point in this film it kept me captivated
1: the 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 cheesy hero scene bored me a little bit that yes, that was the yeah. point at which i checked the baseball scores
0: <laughs> but like in general in general it's it's an interesting film you, you won't find yourself looking at your watch really very often
1: no cool so my choice next which i think yes i think this will be episode 68 which means you get to choose 69 <laughs> if, I'm, if, I'm, if i'm right, right. um yeah you correct. you're right yeah. um so i'll give I'll, but i'll give you a choice of two two directors the Battle of the Andersons, Wes Anderson, or Paul Thomas Anderson
0: Oh, that's a tough one um, I don't know what to pick. I think mm.
1: of which we have not covered a film by either director, have we?
0: No, we haven't we haven't
1: so it could be could be anything.
0: It could uh, you d- you did say Wes Anderson.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, Wet Anderson. <laughs>
0: well, I was wondering if you were going for the fella who directed um <laughs> directed the Resident Evil movies. <laughs> oh you yeah, why not? One of them at me. <laughs> there's um,
1: there's some romance in, in that, isn't there?
0: Yeah, well yeah, there's there's a little bit of romance. Let let's go Wes Anderson. Let's do it. Alright, cool. We Wesley. are
1: gonna be watching Moonrise Kingdom.
0: Ah, dokie.
1: Have you seen it before?
0: No, that's one of the few ones that I've not seen.
1: Ah, interesting. I, I have seen it before, but not since... Not for a long time. At least about five or six years, I think. So it's a good... It's high time. It's A good, a good one for us to finally start talking about Wes Anderson then.
0: Marvellous, yes. Excellent. Excellent stuff.
1: Cool. Cool. Well, I think I think that's it then, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I'd say so.
1: Cool. In that case, we've already done the um, the contact details, so... All that we're going to say is thanks for listening. We really do appreciate it. Please share it with your friends if you like what we do. Give us ratings, reviews, etc. As all podcasts do. We remain ad free. So if you want to throw us some coins, if you see us in the street, it'll be much appreciated.
0: <laughs> yeah, mate. If you want, you know, if you want to offer some money, I'm willing to give you a little dance. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I'll dance for me. cash anytime. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So yeah,
1: <laughs> we'll be back next week to talk about Moonrise Kingdom and to dance for cash.
0: Alrighty. Right. Bye-bye. Bye.